Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Simone, it is quite noisy wherever you're calling in from. Where <laughs> might that be? I know. Okay, so first of all, I am not late for the show, okay? But I am not actually in studio, obviously. So... I am in a very, very chilly Washington, D.C. It is their Mardi Gras week, and so we are at the Hilton, which is kind of the center of it all. Um, There's a lot of people here, a lot of things going on, but I wanted to be able to be part of the show. Well, I appreciate your taking time out of your busy Mardi Gras schedule uh, to to join us, and it sounds like you're having a great time. What goes on during Washington, D.C.? Uh, Mardi Gras. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of this crazy thing. I actually had never been um, until last year, and um, basically a lot of folks from Louisiana fly up to Washington, D.C., and uh, this one particular Hilton is kind of the center of it all, and there's a lot of parties, and there's a lot of, uh, like, tomorrow's an economic development luncheon, and the River Parishes have a breakfast and things like that. So, kind of a really big networking opportunity, but we got a, a chance to be a part of the Economic Development Luncheon, uh, which, of course, we want to be a part of. So that's why we're here today. Yeah, well, and, so and of course, you have a lot of our elected officials and others gathered there. So having coastal issues front and center is so important. And I know you're so good at making sure people are aware of kind of the priorities that are happening in Louisiana. Yeah, it's just funny how many conversations we have, and folks are really excited about some of the things that are coming out at CPRA in the past couple of weeks, and certainly, you know, added listenership decline, and uh, actually this week they just appointed our very good friend, Bren Haas, um, to executive director, so there are so many exciting things happening in Coastal, and so people are, are really, like, excited to talk about that here, and it's good to see that Louisiana's issue is, is front and center. That's great. Um well, I am not in Washington Mardi Gras. Um, I have been having fun in New Orleans. I actually gave a presentation yesterday at Jesuit High School to a bunch of ninth and tenth graders for Career Day. So I got to talk. How is it going back to your old school and, and talking to everybody over there about what you do? Do they have any idea? I'll have to say I was a little bit more terrified about speaking to a room of 700 ninth and 10th graders than it would be, I don't know, maybe presenting at a CPRA board meeting. Um, you know, they were quite the fun and uh, not so much critical, but, you know, thoughtful audience. They had some really good questions, everything from, so does the football field, stat, does that include the end zones? To Someone had questions about, you know, just like jobs going forward. But we were, you know, I really tried to make the case that if this is something that um, they're interested in, whether you want to be a scientist or an engineer, uh, you know, a communications or outreach specialist like us, uh, a planner, really whatever you want to be, um, there's an opportunity for you to work on the coast and to, um, you know, help us confront this challenge. So it's an opportunity, you know, to confront the challenge we're facing. And so I think that, you know, that resonated with them. I also got to tease our Super Bowl ad, which we're going to talk about a little bit Yay. later in the show. And they, they really love that. So it was great to be back at Carrollton and Banks and at the Alma Mater um, and to get our message out there to those young, impressionable minds, those Blue Jays. So the question is, does it still smell the same as when you went to high school? <laughs> I would say, yeah, it's like it was weird. It was like everything was very familiar, but also different, if that makes sense. But uh, but yeah, a lot of it was the same. And even some of the teachers and stuff I knew were there. And um, 
And yeah, like I was there very first thing in the morning, so I didn't have time to, uh, you know, to experience the lunchtime uh, rush or cafeteria. But I did make a joke about sh- the shepherd's pie, which was always a student favorite. It seems to still be a student's favorite. So yeah, great to be back, uh, Jesuit. Um, other stuff going on. Annual plan meetings are, you know, in full force. There was one right in Lake Charles, I believe, in New Orleans. And then is there one in Homa tonight that you're not going to be at? But it's happening in Homa. Yes. Yes. Actually, Victoria's there tonight. Mm-hmm. I went to the meeting last night, which was at um, the Lakefront Airport, which is, oh, just a phenomenal, beautiful facility. They had it in the atrium over there. They had a really good attendance and a new executive director, Brent Haas, was there to make the presentation, uh, talking about what the plan entails. Um, over $700 million this year plan, $700 million next year plan, and in the third year, over $900 million plan. And the majority of that is for construction. And so it's really great to hear the update, but they, um, they had a couple of comments, which is great, and comments are open all the way till, I think, March, if people are interested um, in um, providing comments on the annual plan. You can find it at coastal.la.gov, um, which is where the annual plan is. Again, they have an email address and they have a written address where you can submit comments if you're interested. And we've talked about this on the show before, but like that's the spending plan for the, um, for the CPRA for the next three years. And so while numbers aren't super sexy and exciting, it's really, really important to know what the state's priorities are for the next three fiscal years ahead. Well, yeah, very important and great to see that those meetings happening. And so we'll be definitely digging into that in the future. But now let's get to the topic at hand. I mean, this is a topic we've covered some in our show and, and you're talking about Louisiana's coast, it's wildlife um, and jobs. And so this is about, you know, the wildlife, the fisheries and the jobs that produces. So, so excited to welcome to the show, Captain Lucas Bissett with Low Tide Charters. Um, welcome to the show, Lucas. Hey, thank you, John. Thanks for having me, uh, Simone. I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk about what I do. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. I know you've been in the news recently, but first I want to get to a little bit of your background. So, you know, our show focuses on Louisiana's coast, and of course you spend most of your days and your career on the coast. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, So I'm a uh, fly fishing charter captain out of St. Bernard Parish uh, down there on the coast. Uh, We take people out to fly fish for redfish, black drum, sheep's head, jack prevail, and uh, gar. And uh, I will say that I gave, you know, I grew up nearby St. Bernard and East Bank of Plaquemines. And so I gave Simone a little uh, tour of the parish and Rocky and Carlos. We can talk about that later. But um, fly fishing. So that's not something you hear about as often uh, when it comes to Louisiana. So how did you get involved in fly fishing? And and what is that like here? You know, I mean, normally I think of like out and out west and those places. But fly fishing in Louisiana, what's that like? Well, um, so I got my start fly fishing when I got a uh, fly rod for a Christmas present when I was about 12 from my grandma. And, um, that kind of started the bug and I picked it up and put it down over the years. But about 10 years ago, I picked it up and I caught my first redfish on a fly rod uh, here in Louisiana. And that was just the end all be all for me. I, I got completely addicted to it. And I told my wife, if I didn't get a job that she was going to probably have to divorce me because I would be living on the coast by myself. But, um, so I got into fly fishing as a, as a career and you're right. Louisiana is not a fly fishing sort of location. Typically one thinks of, I mean, I always say that Louisiana is a fly fishing destination. It's not a fly fishing state. So a lot of people don't grow up doing it, but it is something that people from all over the world 
really, really are interested in coming and doing, and it's a bucket list opportunity for a lot of fly fishermen. Yeah, so Lucas, um, I mean, you mentioned it, but, you know, really, uh, what kind of first got you interested in? How long have you been a charter captain? Uh, so I've been doing this for about seven and a half years um, professionally as a charter captain. Um, you know, it's funny, I was actually watching, and I say this in the, in the film that, that we're talking about later, um, I was sitting there watching a show on television one Saturday morning with some buddies, and it was a fly fishing show, and I saw... Uh, the guide who was taking the host out fishing. And I thought, you know, that might be something I'd be really good at. You know, I have a, I have a decent personality. I have a sense of humor. I have a degree in communication. And, you know, being a guide is really about being a people person. It's about making connections and building relationships while you're on the water. And so I thought it was something I'd be good at. And so I just sort of made it a goal. You know, I said, I'm going to try this as a, you know, semi-professional in the sense that I'll keep my job that I had with LSU doing coastal restoration, but I'll, I'll try this out part-time. I got so lucrative and I, I felt so good doing it that I ended up making it a career. That's awesome. And what did you do for LSU on coastal restoration? Uh, so I worked with a marsh grass breeder. Um, we were in charge of trying to come up with new public releases of smooth cord grass, bull whip, and then uh, worked a little bit on um, some other coastal you know, plant species. Very cool. So you've seen like definitely both sides of it, kind of from the the science side, but then also being out and kind of seeing it firsthand. And so many of the people that are spokespeople for our coasts are, you know, fishermen, charter captains, those sorts of things that are seeing the the changes firsthand. So Lucas, um, we're about to head into a break, but I do want to um, have you back, talk a little bit about the documentary and other perspectives you've had. Um, Real quick, tell people where they can go to learn more about low tide charters and, and maybe book a trip with you. Uh, so the uh, the website is going to be louisianalowtide.com, and, um, you know, you can just type that into your, your URL and you're ready to go. And I've got a nice website there. There's a place to book your trip if you want to. All my contact information is on the, on the website. All right. Well, we'll be back with Captain Lucas Bissett um, on Delta Dispatches. You're listening on WGSO 990 AM. The Miro Foundation, in partnership with St. Bernard Parish Government and Restore the Mississippi River Delta, are hosting the second annual Cook-Off for the Coast Saturday, February 9th from 2 to 6 at Dockville Farm. Cook-Off teams will serve up dishes that highlight coastal Louisiana game. Mission is free, so come on out and enjoy great food, live entertainment, and best of all, support coastal restoration. For more information, check out www.coastcookoff.com or Cook-Off for the Coast on Facebook. That's Cook-Off for the Coast, Saturday, February 9th. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. 
At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Um, Lucas, I wanted to tell you, if you ever need a fly fishing friend, Representative Jerome Zerang from my part of the world in home of Louisiana is super into it. He likes to take his kayak out by himself. He spends an exorbitant amount of time making little, I guess you call it tackle, little special things to throw into the water and that kind of stuff. So if you ever need a friend in Louisiana legislature, Jerome Zerang is your man. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Well, Lucas, so uh, we were talking a little bit about your you know, role and how you got into um, fly fishing and being a charter captain. Um, you know, you interact with people from all over. I mean, those from Louisiana and probably people from all uh, parts of the country. Um, what is it like to be a guide to some of Louisiana's most beautiful pa- places along the coast? And do you think people, you know, especially people from outside of Louisiana, do they understand what's happening in terms of our changing coast? Uh, actually, Jock, I, I fish people from all over the world. Uh, I've been I've been blessed in that I've I've taken people from Singapore, Australia, South Africa. I've had people from all over, and I can tell you one thing that's happened by having those people from other places is that it's given me a new perspective and love for for our coast. Because um, growing up here, you don't necessarily have the same affinity for something when it's part of your life every day, and you know, take it for granted. And having other people's perspective has really brought it home for me. And, and has made Louisiana worth protecting. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the other part of the question. I'm yeah, sorry. no, that's it. Just like, you know, and do they, I mean, these people, whether they're from Singapore or anywhere else, do they have um, an understanding of kind of what's happening in terms of our land loss crisis? They do after they get off my boat. That's great. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time, um, you know, talking about what we're facing and what we're dealing with. And, and, you know, the more people that I can make aware about it, the more hopefully there's someone out there that's going to try to do something. And, and so I take every minute of every day to try to teach people about our marsh and then also teach them about what we're facing because, I mean, we know that, that we're in a pretty dire situation here. So I definitely try to make that a priority when we're on the boat. Yeah, and we, we definitely need spokespeople like you. So thank you for doing that. And speaking of that, I mean, you're featured in a new documentary um, that's been getting a lot of attention. Um, it's called... Dispare, Disappearing. So tell us a little bit about what the documentary um, discusses. Um, yeah, so that documentary, it was, it was created um, by a guy named Bill Rodman out of Baton Rouge, and uh, he approached me a couple years ago, and we talked about doing a fly fishing television show. Um, it was something that he's been interested in uh, most of his television career. Um, we haven't gotten that off the ground yet, but then we started discussing you know, some of the work that I do in coastal restoration, which uh, one major project that I have with my nonprofit is uh, is a black mangrove restoration project in St. Bernard Parish. And so we decided to, to focus on that, and uh, he came out, and we talked about the, 
the project. We talked about uh, what black mangroves can do for our coast and how they're already working to help us with uh, carbon offset and other things. And, and so it kind of started from there and, and luckily it came out and it was, it's a really good documentary. I'm really proud to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I only saw kind of the, the clip posted online. I, I really want to see the full um, documentary, but I know you do talk about kind of the pro- project with black mangroves and that's something you start out and it's started out yourself and it's kind of grown. So, I mean, first tell us like, what is the the kind of value that the black mangrove provides in terms of the coast and protection? Um, well, it, it's a really good shoreline stabilization tool. Um, you know, it has a really dense root system. And if you can get them established into a, a very dense, nice stand, uh, you end up with a, a much better erosion control than you would, say, with smooth cord grass or gulf cord grass or any of the other grasses that you would normally see on the, on the shoreline. It also works really well as a bird rookery. I mean, uh, it's a really great protected area for birds to go in and nest. And then, as I said, you know, do act as a, as a carbon offset, too. Um, apparently, I'm not an expert on this part of it, but apparently they, um, they do really good at, uh, at sequestering carbon. Yeah, and I, I mean, I remember working for a bird organization, doing tours and seeing kind of some of the black mangrove, uh, you know, islands and bay islands around the coast. And I mean, obviously, a lot of those are, are disappearing. So that's great. But um, that you're you're replanting them, but so this started as a, a kind of a smaller project, right? You were kind of doing it on your own, and then it, it's grown from there. Yeah, I I just had the initial idea that I was just going to go out and plant them myself, um, and what I wanted to do was sort of use the networks that I had created while I worked at LSU to try and see if I could just get a hold of some plants, and so that's where it started. Um, I contacted St. Bernard Parish government in order to try and see where I needed to go to get permission to walk on some of this land. Cause as you know, a lot of the land in Louisiana is private. And so I didn't want to trespass. And so that kind of started a conversation. And before I knew it, it became this, you know, multi-entity public private, you know, sort of coalition of folks trying to go out and restore and uh, plant new black mangroves. And so these you're planning kind of in and around St. Bernard parish. Currently, yeah. We focus solely on St. Bernard. That's where we have permission. We're working with one of the major landowners there. And so uh, we've, we've been mainly focusing on their land just to, because there's some native stands of black mangrove in the area. And so I wanted to try and sort of bolster some of the native stands and then help them to spread maybe quicker than they normally would because they're really prolific at putting out seeds, but they're at the mercy of the tide and the wind to kind of put them in certain places. And so I wanted to try and kind of add to that and accelerate the process. That's great. And so have you seen uh, positive impacts uh, since you've started the project? Um, I mean, we've seen positive impacts in the community because that we've had a lot of participation from the high school there in in Chalmette High School. Uh, We've also had some 4-H kids come out and do some of the plantings. And so the, the, the impact in the short term has been more of a community impact because black mangroves are a slow growing species. Um, we haven't really seen any of the other impacts that you would see maybe four or five years down the road. Yeah, and we've had um, folks from, you know, the St. Bernard Parish government and their coastal office, as well as folks from the Merrow Foundation on the show. And they've talked about the work that they've done there engaging, you know, students at Chalmette High. And and for us, we know how important it is to get people out on the coast and do plantings and do other kind of activities so that they're both seeing what's happening and also helping to give back. So that that's great. Tell us, getting back to the documentary, so you worked with a filmmaker named Bill Rodman. Um, tell us a little bit about him and kind of what he brought to the film. 
Uh, so Bill has been doing this uh, for about 26 years now. Um, he used to be on, I think, WAFB in Baton Rouge. Uh, he's also done a lot of documentaries around the country. Um, he basically just brought the expertise of being able to tell me what it was that he thought would look good, uh, have me try and, you know, and none of it was really scripted as far as the, the conversations that we had, but he knew what the cinematography needed to look like. He knew what kind of shots we needed for the documentary. I mean, he has just a, a vast knowledge of that kind of stuff because he's done it for so long that um, I'm not sure the film would be the same without his expertise. And um, uh, tell us where, I mean, where can people see the film? Has it uh, debuted in certain places? And then, you know, is it going to be shown in other places? So currently it is, uh, it's been shown at a Down the Hatch Festival uh, last year in Asheville, North Carolina. And that's through the fly fishing company Orvis, who I'm actually endorsed by. Um, And you received an award from them, correct? Yeah, yeah, I was the uh, the 2017 Saltwater Fly Fishing Guide of the Year. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it debuted there, and so I'm, I'm pretty sure you can go on their Down the Hatch website and see a shorter version of the film, but I'm currently in the process of putting that film, the full version, on my website. So it uh, should be either tonight or tomorrow. It will be on louisianalowtide.com, and you'll be able to see the entire film there. You can also go to Bill Rodman's website and see the film as well. In fact, um, a lot of people didn't realize this, but on the article that came out in The Advocate, there was a link at the bottom that showed you the entire film. It was on Bill Rodman's website. It was kind of weird the way it was kind of hidden in there, but there is a, a way to see it on his website as well. And, and we'll be sure to share that on the Delta Dispatches page as well as our uh, social media uh, pages on Restored Delta um, so that folks can see it. And I'm definitely going to go back and watch the full film. Um, you know, it's such an important story and perspective that you're, you're telling. And then also the importance of giving back and, you know, engaging people around opportunities to volunteer on the coast is, is wonderful. So, Lucas, I have a few more questions for you. Do you mind hanging on just for one more segment? No, absolutely. I'll hang on for five more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I know. There's so much to talk about. And, and you know, see, having you on and as someone who's out there all the time working on the coast is so valuable. So we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. The Miro Foundation, in partnership with St. Bernard Parish Government and Restore the Mississippi River Delta, are hosting the second annual Cook-Off for the Coast Saturday, February 9th from 2 to 6 at Dockville Farm. Cook-Off teams will serve up dishes that highlight coastal Louisiana game. Admission is free, so come on out and enjoy great food, live entertainment, and best of all, support coastal restoration. For more information, check out www.coastcookoff.com or Cook-Off for the Coast on Facebook. That's Cook-Off for the Coast, Saturday, February 9th. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why we're storing it matters. I have let Simone go for the day so she could go enjoy the Washington Mardi Gras facilities, but I will not let go the coastal stat of the week, which is this Saturday is World Wetlands Day. And then from Louisiana's Sea Grant website, Louisiana has more than 3 million acres of coastal wetlands, and it accounts for up to 40% of the coastal salt marshes in the contiguous United States. However, it also accounts for 80% of the nation's coastal wetland loss. 
Wetlands are most, among the most important and highly productive ecosystems on Earth, and Louisiana is losing them at a rate of 25 to 35 square miles per year. So something to reflect on during World Wetlands Day, certainly important to us here in Louisiana. Um, welcome back to the show, Lucas. Hey, how are you? Thanks I'm, for having me. I'm doing well. So um, you're, you know, you're a fisherman, and this is also your, your business, right? Taking people out. Uh, from your perspective, I mean, how have you seen the change changes to Louisiana's coast in your lifetime? Um, I mean, just in the last seven and a half years that I've spent, you know, a lot of days on the water, um, there are areas that I used to fish that are completely gone. I mean, if you get up into the, the Delacroix and Reggio complex there in St. Bernard, there are areas that when I first started fishing, there were islands and, and whole masses of land. And between Hurricane Isaac and then just, you know, erosion, I've seen a lot of those areas completely gone, uh, just completely wiped out. It's just nothing but open water. And, and as you know, once you start and you get that open water area, it doesn't take very long for just more open water to be created. You know, it becomes, becomes exponential how quickly it can happen. And so um, just in my short amount of time on the water, just in my snapshot that I have, I've seen areas just bigger than you would want to imagine completely wiped out. Yeah. And that's, I mean, seven years. And, you know, like you said, that it only takes the disappearance of like one key, like ridge or kind of landscape feature. And then it opens that whole area and that marsh up to saltwater. Um, from your perspective, I mean, you know, you fish a lot um, and you also have a business based in fishing. Um, what is the threat to fisheries and, um, you know, to that economy if we don't address coastal land loss? Well, I mean, you know, the thing that makes Louisiana so prolific is the fact that we are a nursery for many, many, if not all of the inshore, you know, fish that we have, plus a lot of the offshore fish that are in the Gulf of Mexico. If we continue to lose that vital habitat for nursery, we are going to lose fish. I mean, if they don't have a place to grow up that's safe, they're not going to be able to grow the way they used to. They're going to get wiped out at a young age. There's a very good chance that we won't have near the fishery as prolific as it's been since basically the beginning of time um, if we don't do something now to start the uh, or stop, you know, the erosion and the, and the land loss that we're experiencing. Yeah, I mean, that's something our groups focus on a lot is that you need kind of that full estuary, right? You need everything from the more, you know, fresh to brackish to saltwater um, marshes and habitat. And so... Um, you know, that's that's something to really consider as you're, you were experiencing more saltwater intrusion and there's more conversion of the marsh to, you know, other types of marsh or it's just lost. So, I mean, have you seen impacts to fisheries yet or is that something that you just kind of worry about and foresee in the future? No, I, I mean, I've, I've noticed a, a decline in, say, the speckled trout in our area or the spotted sea trout. Um, I've been I've been trying for the last couple of years to get the ear of, of wildlife and fisheries and let them know that it's not just me. You know, a lot of the other guides in the St. Bernard area are seeing um, far less speckled trout caught than they were years ago. And um, to me, that has a lot to do with land loss. I mean, these these trout are really susceptible at a young age to predation, and if they don't have a place to grow up, like we talked about before, you know, they're they're just not going to be as many of them. I mean, they're an extremely prolific species, but you got to have a place to grow up in order to be prolific. So, um, I mean, what, what are the solutions? I mean, I, I know you're working hard to do plantings of, of black mangroves and you talked about why that specific tree and, and that plant is, is important, but like in your mind, what are the solutions to addressing this crisis? I mean, you know, I think it's just, it's a, it's an all hands on deck. I mean, for me as a citizen, 
Um, the one thing that I can control is education. Um, you know, we talked about earlier about the kids being involved with 4-H in our, in our project. I'll be honest, and I know you've probably seen this, Jacques, is that to watch a kid discover something for the first time. Uh, you know, a lot of these kids live only five miles, 10 miles up the road from the coast, but some of them have never even been in a boat mm-hmm. before. You know, and so getting them interested in the coast and talking about that land loss and why it's so important, I think is something that we can do as just everyday people. And then on top of that, I think that we need to come together as a state and make sure that the master plan that Louisiana's put forth is implemented. You know, one of my biggest concerns is that if we don't pay attention to where the money is going and things getting done, that we may end up in, you know, may end up in a situation where we spend a lot of money on studying and other things and we don't actually get stuff done. For me, I, I just want to see, you know, some of the things like dredging and other stuff that they're talking about doing. I want to see us start that now. You know, I mean, I understand that you have bureaucracy and red tape and all this stuff, but for me as a guy out there on the front lines watching it fall out from under my feet, I just hope and pray that we get started on it sooner rather than later. And I know projects are being done, but, you know, I just want to see bigger projects being done quicker because that's what it's going to take. I mean, right now we're putting a Band-Aid on an arterial spray. You know, we got to get out there with the sewing kit and stitch this thing up. Yeah, and I mean, from our perspective, I mean, first, I think the your point about coastal education and really getting people out and, and involved and, and making this an issue that, you know, we talk a lot about coastal literacy. So that, you know, it starts from school age onward. And if you want to pursue a career in this, like yourself or myself, there's that opportunity. Um, but also... Uh, you know, kind of about advancing projects. And so a lot of our organizations are working on that, you know, tr- making sure the money is protected for the coast, but then also that making sure the projects are advancing quickly. And so we have seen a lot of progress on the on the advancement fronts, particularly in barrier islands and, um, you know, some of the marsh creation projects. But then, you know, one of the things we, we focus on is you can't just build marsh creation projects that either are going to be uh, subject to the same conditions that the marsh is right now. So looking at ways to to leverage, you know, the Mississippi River and, and build sediment in that way is, is also critical. So I think your point your point is well made. Um, Lucas, what about um, you know, like what about the uh, getting back to the to the film itself? Um, you know, like you guys received awards for the film, I know. Like, I mean, how do you see this um, being a tool that people can use to, like you said, become more engaged and educated in these issues? I hope, if nothing else, that it just inspires people to realize that it doesn't take a lot to become involved. You know, I mean, I think I think a lot of people, and, and maybe this is just our society in general, is that, you know, you think as one person you can't make a difference. But the reality is, is that if you just go out and look just a little, you'll find that there are people who are willing to help you engage in projects such as this. I know that I get people all the time who tell, who tell me, oh, we'd love to help volunteer. Well, those people may have never said anything if they didn't know me personally. And so I just want people to know that, you know, by watching this film, you can realize that it, it's not, it doesn't have to be a huge project to try and make a difference. And, and like you said, there's many ways to make a difference. It could be education. It could be actually going out and putting something in the ground. So I hope that the documentary just lets people know that it doesn't take a lot to become involved and that, you know, once you are involved, the, the level of accomplishment and the sense that you get of your helping your, your home and your land that's around you is really rewarding. That's great. And, um, you know, I know you mentioned partnering with Orvis. Um, Orvis has done a lot, right, for, for conservation and some of these issues. So tell us a little bit about your partnership and the way that you've been involved with that uh, company. Uh, well, so I got endorsed by Orvis. So the way that works is that Orvis is, you know, again, it's, it's the oldest fly fishing company in the country. 
Um, they have been around for over 150 years, and one of the things that they do for their customers is that they, they sort of vet guides and they endorse them. And so once you're endorsed by Orvis, a customer knows that you have, you're professional, you have good equipment, you meet these standards. And so that relationship that I've had with them has been just completely instrumental in helping me become a successful guide in a short amount of time because I got networking capabilities and then just an overall, you know, sort of, uh, you know, vetting process, like I said, that happens through being, being involved with them that has made my career, you know, accelerate at a much faster, you know, pace than it would have otherwise. Great. Yeah. And, um, and, and congratulations again on that award. So Lucas, um, we're about to head into our last break and I really appreciate your coming on. Um, Simone would not, Forgive me if I didn't carry on our Delta Dispatches tradition, which is to ask a fun question. So I'm going to ask you your sure. fun question. Uh, okay. If you were any Louisiana fish, what fish would you be and why? <laughs> um, I would probably be a sheep's head. Uh, you know, I have, an, I have an affinity for sheep's head. I think they're just a really cool, quirky, finicky little fish. Um, they seem to see really well. Um, they run first and ask questions later, which I think is funny. So uh, they seem to be whimsical, if, if that's possible. So I think I would be a sheep's head. Well, I, I appreciate that answer. I will say whenever I ask my bird people what their favorite bird is, they always deflect and refuse to answer. They say something like, whatever one I'm looking at. So I appreciate the direct response. Um, Lucas Bissett, thank you so much for being on, and thank you for talking about your documentary. One more time, where can people go um, to learn about low tide charters and also see the documentary? Uh, yeah, so it's LouisianaLowTide.com. And uh, like I said, I hope to have the video up either tonight or early tomorrow so they'd be able to see the documentary there as well as learn a little bit about Louisiana fly fishing. And if they wanted to, they could book a trip. Awesome. Well, definitely do that. No doubt you'll go out with one of the great guides that we have on our coast. And again, thank you so much for everything you do to elevate this issue and then also give back directly to the coast. Um, Captain Lucas Bissett um, with Low Tide Charters. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana, and I'm so excited to welcome back my colleague and the man behind the scenes of Delta Dispatches that you often don't hear. Um, he's the guy that puts the show up on Google and iTunes, um, deltadispatches.org, week to week. Ryan Chauvin, our digital marketing and communications manager, with Audubon, Louisiana, and Restore the Mississippi River Delta. Welcome back, Ryan. Hi, Jacques. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, all right, let's just get this out of the way. It's been a rough few weeks, right? Um, we've had <laughs> the disaster of a Saints uh, game that I don't blame on the Saints. I blame on Goodell, right, and uh, mm -hmm. the officiating crew. We had that press conference. I mean, how you run a Saints blog on the side. You're a longtime diehard fan. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh... Yeah, the, the the worst part is there's not much to talk about. Like, obviously, the call should have been made. Everyone thinks so. Uh, we should be playing in the Super Bowl. We're not. And, you know, it's just it's just a hard way to end the season. We feel so incomplete, and I think a lot of frustration comes from that. There was just, like, no finality to the season. We just kind of aren't playing anymore, but we don't feel like we lost. 
Uh, but we're doing okay. You know, I, there's always next year. Yeah, I mean, I think you captured it well. And I know on your blog, you wrote a really good write-up about it. Um, where can people go to read that? Sure, it's uh, blackandgoldreview.com. Uh, and yeah, we're just, just kind of focusing on, on how, uh, how hard it is to, to see something outside of the game really take the Saints down. It really kind of, it's hard to process in a lot of ways. Well, did you spend three days eating ice cream and watching Netflix? I sure did. Who didn't? <laughs> I know. I, well, I was probably eating ice cream and drinking wine, but okay, that's another story. And hopefully the Sean Payton t-shirt helped, right? Yeah. If, if you didn't see it yesterday, Sean Payton gave his first interview. Uh, he's wearing a nice pullover and under it as a t-shirt and he pulled the, the zipper down on his shirt just far enough so you could see the top of the screen print. Uh, and of course the internet is undefeated and we, quickly everyone realized it, it's a picture uh, it's a shirt with uh, Roger Goodell's face on it with a clown nose. Uh, and I think that's a sentiment we can all get behind. Mm. You know, I think a, a, the, that, that shirt is going to be sold out pretty quickly. So on so. to positive news. So there is one good reason to watch the Super Bowl this Sunday. What is it? Yes. So uh, Restore the Mississippi River Delta has for a couple of months now been working on uh, producing an ad for the Super Bowl, which will air uh, it's a 30-second ad. It'll be after the third quarter. So if you're listening to this now, you're probably in the New Orleans metro area, and you can see it, watch it on WWL. Uh, and, you know, even if you're boycotting the Super Bowl, which I understand I do, uh, you can watch it on our website right now at restoredthecoast.org. And more importantly, I mean, you can watch it. It's going to run for six weeks even after the Super Bowl. So whether you watch the Super Bowl or not, you can still see the ad. But um, you can take action and let people know how important the coast is. So what is the message of the ad? And more importantly, who are the messengers? Sure. Uh, we were able to work with kids from across the coast. Uh, we went down to Plaquemines Parish. We were, we were here in City Park, uh, down in Marrero. Uh, and these kids are really talking about coastal land loss as an issue that impacts them and their future. Uh, we're so familiar with seeing that 50-year map of, of the coastal land loss and what we stand to lose. But for, for those of us who are 8 or 13, that 50-year map isn't theoretical. It is, it is their future. And so if we don't act now, if we don't start coastal restoration or, or build upon coastal restoration that's happening now, uh, you know, the, their home could be affected, their future. And uh, I think it's really powerful hearing it from them. Yeah, and I mean, you have to see these kids. I mean, they're, they're adorable. They're passionate. Um, you have to go to RestoreTheCoast.org and watch the ad, but we're actually going to play the audio from the ad now, and I think that's pretty good itself. So let's hear it. Louisiana is my home, our home, but our coast has disappeared, and this loss affects me. And me. And me. It puts the Gulf of Mexico at my doorstep. It threatens my future. Our future. And it could be gone if we don't do anything. Don't give up on my coast. Our state is losing a football field of land every 100 minutes. Help make sure it's not their football field. Help make sure it's not our home. Yep, pretty powerful stuff there. RestoreTheCoast.org. I just got goosebumps again, even though I've seen it probably 50 times. Um, yeah, I mean, help make sure it's not their football field. And that is not a theoretical thing. That's a real thing that, you know, those kids could experience in their lifetime. So can't express enough how important this work is. Um getting a little emotional. I won't. But uh, but yeah, I mean, so what do we have planned in terms of we need to make sure everyone sees that ad, right? So what, what's yeah. going on? 
Uh, so it'll run on WWL and uh, its sister networks uh, for the next 10 weeks. I think it'll be aired like 300 times after the Super Bowl itself. Uh, we're going to have it on our website again, restorethecoast.org. Uh, we'll be promoting it pretty much anywhere you can watch videos. We'll be on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. I, I think we'll even look into some streaming services. Uh, obviously, coastal land loss and coastal restoration is is a topic that affects all Louisianians, and it's a bipartisan issue, right? It, like, we uh, we want to get this out to as many people as possible. Uh, on, on the website, if you go and you check it out, uh, next to the video, there's a quick form you could fill out, uh, and you can write in a quick testimonial about why the coast is important to you. Uh, then if you scroll down, uh, we're, we're kind of visualizing those those responses on a map. We're still in our beta right now. We're, we we just launched it yesterday, and we've already got 60 wonderful responses from, from all over the coast. And uh, hopefully in the next month or two, we'll have thousands of, of pen drops that, that represent uh, citizens across the state who, who think the coast is important. And uh, we'll be delivering those messages later to the, in the year to, uh, to legislators, to the governor, to, to everyone, because this issue really is uh, cross-cutting. Yep, a statewide issue. And, you know, Ryan worked a lot on that map, and it's beautiful. And I think, I mean, just seeing the responses that have come in so, so far, I mean, they're personal. People are talking about, like, what the coast means to them, their memories, their experiences on the coast. For a lot of people, they're like, this is literally my home. You know, I, I want to live here, and I want to continue to live here. And I think, you know, uh, Captain Lucas, um, in the first few segments, kind of described it perfectly in terms of what's at stake and what we're losing. And in seven years, he's seen so much loss. Um, and so this is really about bringing people together, uniting them. I mean, I was inspired by that Instagram post that Drew Brees uh, did a few days after the the message about, you know, yeah, we're frustrated. Yes, this is tough. You know, it was a terrible loss. Nothing unites us like the saints. But we need to take that energy and channel it into positive things that can really give back to our community and our state. And that's coastal restoration. So highly encourage you to go on to restorethecoast.org, see the ad. I mean, these kids are, are beautiful. They're awesome spokespeople. I mean, it makes me proud and hopeful for the future. Um, and sign up and tell us what the coast means to you and more importantly, why restoration is so important. And we're going to deliver that message to anyone that needs to hear it. So go to restorethecoast.org. Um, Ryan, thank you so much. We have to ask you a fun question. So, uh, if you were not blogging about the Saints, and you can't say the Pelicans either because it's been a rough mm, week for yeah. them too, what would you be blogging about? Oh, that's a good question. I, I focus so much of my, my online energy on coastal restoration work and, and football. Um, you know, I, I really do love uh, data visualization. A couple of years ago, I got into Tableau, and I really like the, the power of uh, data storytelling. So I'd probably be blogging about how to do that better, because most of the time people are bad at it. So I'd be doing uh, examples about the power of data. Awesome. Well, you know, again, speaking of people that are lucky um, to be working on, on issues of the coast, that is Ryan Chauvin, Digital Communications and Marketing Manager with Audubon. He does such great work to... Um, translate the issues of coastal restoration to our audiences across so many pro properties. So, thank you so much for being on, Ryan. Um, you know, I, I, I'm you know going to be hopeful for next season. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, we'll go again to RestoreTheCoast.org. Um, check out the ad and sign your name up to let people know what the coast means to you. So that's another great show. We have some amazing events coming up. You may have heard um, the ad that's running during this program, but Cook-Off for the Coast is Saturday the 9th, and it's down in St. Bernard in Violet, Louisiana at um, Dockville Farms. Simone and I will be there, and we will be emceeing the event. It's an amazing cook-off. We're going to have a ton of teams 
cooking every kind of thing under the sun. Um, there will be local chefs, kids' activities, information on coastal restoration, a cash bar by Pirog's Whiskey Bayou, um, a, a lot of great events. The second time they've been doing it. So it's Saturday, February 9th from 2 to 6 p.m. Put it in your calendars um, and make sure to bring the family down to Dockville Farm, such a beautiful place in St. Bernard. Um, well, that's another great show. I want to thank Simone, who's in Washington, Mardi Gras. I want to thank Captain Lucas Bissett and, and Ryan Chauvin um, for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week on Delta Dispatches. Have a good day.